0: Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message
1: of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world.
0: For a while, I've been meditating on aspects of uh, the Lord's mindset, and only those men of God who pursued God and, and really forsook everything with regards to their thoughts, we're able to capture the heart and the thoughts of God. And I think it's Isaiah 55. We could go there real quick. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so my thoughts. It's Isaiah 55, verse 8. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And I say, thank God if if God thought like me it'd be a neurotic psychopath and be a a filled with phobias and fear and God is full of faith and creativity and resource my thoughts are not like your thoughts nor are your ways my ways says the Lord for as high as the heavens are than the earth so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts And so as we contemplate the thoughts and the ways of God, we get lost a little bit like a a young person uh, drowning in a deep pool because it's amazing what God has. We were reading Ezekiel 47 that our coming into God is first ankle deep, then knee deep, then waist deep. And then we're just swimming in the vast resources of God's goodness. And that's what it's been like the first day we showed up at church. We didn't have any clue, but now we're swimming and these rivers of God's purposes, and they're influencing our life and directing our steps. And as we meditate upon a verse like Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul is trying to describe who God is and who we are. And this is, this is the great perspective. Uh, Bill Gothard says that a man who starts to contemplate life without sitting where God sits, it's enough to want you to lose life, to despair, to, to be overwhelmed. But Paul, in this description, says, for we are his workmanship. We are something that God has created. We did not create ourselves. Thus, we cannot decide what we're going to do with ourselves. And and let me tell you something. I don't know about you, but do you know somebody who wants to play God in their life? A self-made man? That's, That's a farce. There's not one man who's made himself. For God is the maker of all men. He's the author and finisher of of who we are. And man without God doesn't know if he's a monkey, doesn't know if he's going to be lost, doesn't know if he's going to be destroyed. So from God's perspective, there's peace, there's joy, there's excitement, there's energy. We're moving forward into the plans of God, not into our own plans. And Bill Gotham says any man who sits far from this perspective is sufficient to grow in depression, despair, anxiety, worry, anxiousness. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. Well, that's easy for you to say. If you saw it from my perspective, you would be very anxious. Well, you're not supposed to be there. That's why when Christ came, he sat us in the heavenly places to be able to see from his vantage point. And people like the Apostle Paul wrote these words. He says, I've come to the conclusion, I've done many things in my life, And he lists those things in Philippians chapter 3. He says, I am an expert. I am this. I am that. I've come this. I go here. I was this. He starts enumerating everything he's able to do and then says, all this is garbage so that I might become what God wanted me to be, for me to live the way God wanted me to live. And I consider everything dung, garbage, refuse, crapola. Everything that he was, he considered it, you know, he says, I I consider all these things a a loss. They get in the way of being who God wants me to be. And then he comes to say, we are God's workmanship. And in this particular translation, they pretty much messed it up a little bit in Ephesians 2.10, where he says, we are God's workmanship because in the Greek word, the word that is used there is not workmanship, It's not a a car getting fixed at the mechanic. We are God's math problem. We're we're God's difficulty. No, 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 no. He says we are his poem. This is what it says in the original Greek. As Paul wrote these things, he came to the conclusion that we as man are God's poem. And, And guys, trust me, we're so far away from God, we don't even know what a poem is. We, 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 you know, we grow up thinking poems are not for us, they're, they're for strange people. And the truth is, we should be more familiar with the depth of what this word means, poem. It's a, it's a term, that it's, it's, it's an expression of art. There's nothing ugly, there's not a problem in a poem. In fact, poems are an answer to situations. They give direction, they give insight, they give expression. And when he says that word, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ, made in Christ. The only way that we will live the expressions of God's depth and heart is coming to Christ. If your life reads like a horror novel, a terror, a a, a, a book full of danger and and, and problems, and situations, and you're like, oh, look, this is, oh, that's not a poem. A poem has the expressions of, of rhythms of grace. Everything makes sense. There's, there's, there's a deep, I, I don't even know, but I'll tell you something. I, I got a poem last night. Um, the, a young boy in our congregation here, it was his mom's birthday. And he actually uh, made her a birthday card, and he wrote a poem to his mom. And he says something like this. He says, this poem is called Mom by Joseph Torres, Jr. How old is he? 10, 11? Listen, 11 years old, and we got a poet and don't know it. We got somebody here who has depth of heart and has the expressions and I guarantee you, I don't even have to read it. And I know there's nothing in here scary. There's nothing in here that leads to doubt that is unanswerable. You guys are reading it already. Don't read it yet. But this is what God says. And Paul says we are in God. And it says something like this. He's mother, you gave birth to a child. It's a good start. On that January day, you took me home and had no idea what to say. So you see that it's the development of the heart of this man. And and I don't know where, is he around? Is he here? He's in Sunday school. Could you guys bring him? Come here, Joseph, because I'm going to ask you questions how you did this. I want to (laughs) learn. Come up here. Come up here. You took me home and had no idea what to say. You're raising me to walk in the footsteps of a holy man, but not to go crazy and be like Peter Pan. Woo! And there's an eagle flying high. There's no ordinary young man here. This is a super extraordinary. And he says, not, you, you taught me how to, you raised me in the footsteps of a holy man, but not to go crazy and be like Peter Pan. All these 10 years, I know what to say. Mom, you didn't know what to say, but I got some words. I love you to the end for every day. Not powerful. Now, how'd you come up with this? Let me get a microphone here. I I really want to know. What did you? Did somebody help you with this? Nobody helped you. It's just you, right? See, poem is an expression of the of the man who writes it. It doesn't come from anywhere else. He's not influenced by anything else. He's writing it from his heart. So, so what were you thinking here? Um, How did you even come up to give her a poem? Start like that.
1: I just
0: wrote it. You, you knew it was going to be her birthday. So wh- why didn't you just come up with just like a letter instead of a poem?
1: Because I didn't know what to write in the letter.
0: Okay. So uh, when you, how do you match up the words? Do you, did you have to pick certain words? Like this thing, why did you, what do you mean when you say in the footsteps of a holy man? Who is that? Jesus. Mm, okay. So you're raising me to walk in the footsteps of a holy man. I thought maybe it was your pastor. <laughs> I thought maybe it was your father. But see, he, he knows what he was writing. He knows what he was thinking. He says, and why did you write holy man? Why didn't you write Jesus? Because I didn't know what to rhyme with Jesus. Because it had to rhyme. <laughs> oh, see, every poem has a rhythm. It has to rhyme. If it doesn't rhyme, listen to me. It needs to, in other words, make sense. It, if your life doesn't make sense, it's because you don't understand that you're God's poem in Christ. And, and you're letting something else come and disturb you and steal your peace that you are God's poem. You know, written way before you came into existence. So, so way before you wrote Peter Pan down here, you had to come up with holy man, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you're raising me to walk up in the footsteps of a holy man, but not to go crazy. What's that mean?
1: Uh, out in the world.
0: Not to go out in the world. So, see, the limitations of a poem also describes boundaries. And no poet, listen to me, no poet is going to let loose his thoughts to put his expressions in danger. He's not going to put things out there to say, I want to see how this gets destroyed. Uh, it's not going to make any sense. This is Listen, it all makes sense. It all has boundary. It all falls in place. So did it fall in place? You did a good job. And then it says, all these 10 years, I know what to say. Are you cutting on your mom there? She didn't know what to say, and you know what to say?
1: <laughs>
0: Listen to me. A poet will always, he won't, this is, this is the, the, the scenario. There's no acceptance of words that are negative. It comes to answer the problem and to be the resolution of a situation. It's not like I'm lost in space and I don't. No, 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 you might be lost, but I know to pull it back into picture. I know to pull it back into focus. I know how to, how to bring things within my safeguard. So this is what you do. You say, Mom, you don't know what to say, but I do. So what did you say?
1: I love you to the end of forever day.
0: Isn't that awesome? Good job. I congratulate you for what you did. Awesome. Thank you very much. So in this whole scenario, I don't know what, I'm going to keep this, um, this microphone here. Um, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I, I want to, the message today is, we are His poem in Christ. And let's put that verse back up there so we could finish reading it. Ephesians 2:10. Um, as Paul is describing this, he's not, being, he's not being shallow in his thoughts and his writings to the Ephesians. He says, "We are God's poem. Could you say that? I am God's poem. I'm the expression of the heart of God. God, I, I'm not a mistake. I'm not an accident. I'm not out of control. I'm not. I'm not outside of the boundaries. I'm within this boundary. Created in Christ, save for good works. There's no poet that's going to put a poem together to to spite, to condemn, to lose. That's not it. It says he's created in Christ, made in Christ, which God prepared. You know, um, if I were to talk, and we're going to continue to interview. Uh, a certain man who has an expertise in this field Um, I don't I'm I'm sure that's why I'm I'm, I'm going to an 11 year old to learn Uh, because this is an expression of the heart of those that do have time but they'll all tell you that none of them just sit and write without knowing what's going on Uh, to to draft a poem to, to bring it into expression it's 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 to go fishing into the depth of their being to fish out words of significance in an expression of what they want to create in this scenario so god god sat down a long time to to prepare and to meditate out of the depth of his heart these good works these these fulfillment of of rhymes where you know, you taught me how to walk in the foots of a holy man so I don't go wild and become a Peter Pan. That, that doesn't come just because it just came out. He had to sit down, and it, 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 his meditation is profound. And he's trying to find out what matches with what because it needs to line up. Otherwise, it's not a poem. Otherwise, it's, it's, it's a horrific tale. But let's go ahead and invite uh, this gentleman, John Davis, who, who for many years, and as I was talking to John, and, and I said, hey, Tell me a little bit more about poems. And and we'll just pick his brain because for years that's been his expertise. That's been the expression of his heart. And, And I asked him, can you come up with a poem right now? And he says, are you crazy? I haven't been able to sit down for a whole year to write a poem because I've been severely busy. So you don't write poems off the cuff. It's something you need to explain that a little bit. First, what
1: is a poem? good morning um just a little bit of background on what he's talking about um i in college i studied literature so that's poetry it's books and all that stuff but personally poetry kind of struck a chord and i had friends and we went to open mics and we did stuff like that um we just got in groups and we wrote poetry together um so as far as writing my niche i feel is poetry and um i feel like god gave me a gift in that so um when pastor asked me to talk about this, I was like, this is great. You know, this is right up my alley, right? So um, I guess, first of all, a poem is basically, it's something, it's a group of words you know, on a page. Technically, that's what a poem is. But ultimately, it's so much more than that. Um, I was trying to think of examples uh, when I was sitting down there. And one of them I came up with was um, these stairs. Uh, an architect draws stairs. You know, someone might write description, you know, stairs are here. But a poet sees stairs as I was there, and I'm here now. I'm up here. The stairs got me here. So it's a metaphor. It's a symbol. Um, so poetry is just full of symbolism, and it's full of cycles. It's full of images, metaphors, a whole bunch of things that words say, but that have, you know, sometimes double meaning, but just meaning more than the words themselves.
0: Okay, so I want to stop there a second. Understand this: While man is going crazy, because he says like this, he goes, "I can't make sense out of anything. Nothing has meaning and significance in my life." That's such a lie of the devil, because everything has meaning in a poem. Every word, every comma, every expression, and you can't just put down just anything. And it's a po- can you, you just start writing? It's a poem.
1: Well, you, you can, but, you know, it's very, very difficult and very improbable that it's going to be anything worthwhile, that it's going to be anything good. Um, another example is uh, the cross. It's a, it's a symbol. It's something that's familiar to us as a Christian. Um, but really, what is it? It's, it's two pieces of wood, if you look at it like that. But because of what Jesus Christ did on that cross, and it's not even this one. It's a cross back 2,000 years ago. But because of what he did on that, we use this as a symbol. And these two pieces of wood mean everything that Jesus Christ did, everything that Jesus Christ is, everything that we believe. So that's, that's why imagery and that's why symbolism is so powerful. And that's why when, when the pastor says that we are the workmanship, we are the poetry of God, there is no word, there's no comma, there's no period, there's no space between letters. That's insignificant. That's each of us. There, there's nothing that is insignificant about us. Is there anything shallow about a poem? Uh, bad poetry? Yes. Bad poetry. How yes. many think that God's a bad poet?
0: No way. No way. You start meditating on what God was putting together when, when he created each and every one of us, and you know it's not shallow. That's, that's an insult to God when your life is so shallow, without meaning, without significance. And worse, for you to consider... That w- and and some men do, that we are without significance. That there's no meaning. We're just a bunch of cells put together. That we're thrown here. We're a cosmic joke. All those things are just such a a lack of reality, a lack of understanding. Go ahead, and do you have other thoughts in that regard?
1: Um, well, I have many thoughts on poetry, but <laughs> I'll I'll kind of spare the details of in the, you know, the nuances and all that stuff because we could be here for a long time if I really got into what, what it means to me and everything like that. And is
0: there ever a poem that you write that has nothing to do with you? Are
1: well, you divorced from thoughts and
0: feelings that you don't put in there or are they an expression of who you are?
1: Well, a, a poem is, is an, very, it's an intimate expression of, of what the poet is feeling inside. Um, I don't write a poem ever that's just kind of arbitrary, that's just kind of, you know, oh, there's there's something out there, and if I'm writing something about, I don't know, the clock, it, I can't write a poem about the clock without it meaning something to me, and and how that clock is important to me, like it's keeping time. You know, it tells me when I eat lunch, it tells me when I don't know, I wake up in the morning, it tells me I'm late for work, I don't know, but I, um, there's something. I want to about know something,
0: clock. and and sorry for interrupting, but it, what I was trying to say is. Are all you, are you the owner of all your poems?
1: Am I the owner?
0: Yeah. Would you like me to just just break some of your poems up? Well, I mean, would you take intimate. offense if you did something and I just grabbed it and...
1: Absolutely. Why? Because I mean, it's a transference of who you are? Yeah, because it's, so, it's such an intimate part of, of who I am as the poet. You know, I, I have an ownership of that that's different than, you know, here you can borrow my shoes, or, you know, here's my jacket, you know, here's my poem, it's like, you know it might as well be a picture of me in my underwear. And and for you to take that and say, you know, oh, here, let me just, you know, show it to whoever you want. It, it's, it's a very, um, it's, it's a very. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's very personal it, it's is what you're saying. It's very intimate. It's very personal. It's, it's right. something that. Um, and so I think that that's yeah. why God
0: gets very angry and upset when we who are God's poem have another portrayal than what he intended it to be. And I don't know if, and this happened, one of the reasons Kurt Cobain committed suicide, right? The guy from Nirvana. Mm-hmm. He says, no one gives my songs the value they have. And everything I'm doing has fallen on deaf ears and has no significance in meaning. And people just grab it and they sing it and they follow it, but they don't know the depth of what I have in that music. So I'd rather not be alive to see what people do with my work. And that, that, he wrote that in his uh, suicide letter. So the scenario is, it's very personal, it's very protective. Um, would you like somebody to, to, to bend it out of meaning? Like, you know, if you wrote a poem and somebody says, oh, this reminds me of my grandmother in underwears. And you're like, no, that's me in underwears, <laughs> you know, if, a
1: mischaracterization of your heart. Well... That's, that's one of the risks as a poet you take when you write something, because if I wanted to just keep it to myself, I would not write it down. But by writing it and sharing it, you know, that, that's in a way it's saying, you know, this is something very intimate. You know, this is something that's it's very close to my heart, and I'm sharing it with you. So that, that implies that there's, there's a significant trust, that there's something that, you know, I, I trust you with my poem, which is me saying, I trust you with my, my thoughts, my beliefs, my heart. Um, what I like, what I think, you know. Everything that I put into this poem, I'm I'm trusting to, to who reads it. I'm trusting to, you know, who I give it to. And if, if they have a different interpretation, it's it's not for me to say, "Oh, like well, you can't I'm just, have that I'm one.
0: just trying to say not only do what they misinterpret. It, what if they started erasing some words and bringing their own words?
1: Oh no 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 oh, no 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 <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no no! Every every word, I mean, like I was saying earlier, everything's important, and, and I, I put it there for a reason. I I put it, you know, I say this word. I I put a comma here. I do that because that is exactly what I wanted to do. A poem is very precise. So right. if if someone starts erasing, says no, I think it should be here. I should think it should be over here. You know, that's like, eh. but I will say this. If it's someone that knows more about poetry than me, say William Shakespeare. If he says, oh, you need to do this or no, then I'll say, okay, you know more about it than I do, so I'll trust you on this. But if it's someone just kind of off the street, just like, oh, you should do this, you should do that, then I'll say, wait a second, you know, I I did this, I know what I'm doing as far as this is going. You're not yeah. William Shakespeare to tell me any different, so, you know, it. this is how it is. Awesome. So, um." I think to kind of bring it back to, to the, the scripture that we talked about, God doesn't have a William Shakespeare. like He is the ultimate poet. So So there is no greater authority to, to tell him, this is how it should go. I think you should move this here, you know, comma here. No, God writes it perfectly the first time, no mm-hmm. corrections no revisions there's, there's nothing he wrote the poem he wrote you he scripted our bodies our dna our cells everything is lined up exactly where he wants it and there's nothing to tell him that that is wrong amen thank you john hallelujah
0: You know, as we, and this is all we're doing this morning is meditating so the devil stops stealing from us all the foolishness that he puts in our hearts and in our minds, and that we could pursue more the heart of God and the spirit of God so that we can tell the story of our lives as God intended it. These good works prepared in Christ from, the Bible says, from the beginning of time, from the beginning of of existence, and we would be super proud and super arrogant to think that we are going to be twisting God's fate for our lives and his purpose. And so our lives are written by the hand of God. We should meditate upon this every day. We are fascinated by stories. That's why we go to the movies. That's why we watch television. That's why we write books. That's why we paint uh, portraits. We're telling stories. We're communicating. And this is only the, to reveal the heart of God of wanting to tell and to relate a story. And of happening events. Sometimes we are so uh, overtaken by stories that we run out of the stories that we can tell in the present. And we start becoming historical in our telling and communication. We write about the past. We love History Channel. We like to hear about what happened in the life of George Washington and William Shakespeare. And all um, all these philosophers of old. And when we run out of the past, we say, listen, let's start making up stories about the future. And... We'll tell stories about Star Trek and Star Wars, and we're, we're constantly trying to portray the existence of the expression of man. And when we run out of the past, the present, and the future, we start making up stories like Harry Potter and things that are filled with fiction, and we're trying to bring into existence all these things, and we're mesmerized by that expression. And so when we hear that we are God's poem, it starts digging deep in our heart the series of realities that are many times foreign to our knowledge. So much so is this that David says in Psalm 8, he says, I want to ask a question. When I look at the stars, when I look at the moon, when I look at everything you've created, it's full of so much significance. It means so much. It's so rich. It's so vast in expression that I just have one question. Why man? When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, and it's says everything in the universe... It ascribes the attributes of of God's creation, of who He is. It says the people who have never heard of God are without excuse because His his creation speaks of how methodical He is, His timeliness. And we think God forgets us. And we think God is running on a late shift and He forgot about us. Listen, get the garbage out of our brains. Quit thinking that you're just some, some goo That went through the zoo and now to you. (laughs) That you just came out of happenstance. This is what the devil is doing to us. He's removing significance. He's removing meaning. He takes out the commas. He takes out the periods. He takes out the, 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 the distance of time and prose like John just told us. Everything has a meaning. When I consider your heavens... The universe, the stars, the moon. When I see that they're the works of your finger, when I look at the moon and the stars that you put in their place, verse 4, I have a question. What is man? What is man? We need to answer that. And, and I wanted, we answered it this morning. We are God's poem. We are just as much a part of his creation and even greater. We are his, um, the Bible says, we are his master craft. His greatest expression of who he is because we were made in his image and likeness. And that's why man wants to make us like monkeys and we're sex fiends and we're war rewards and we're street rats. No, no. And three times, a million times, no. And the son of man that comes after, we don't know our worth. And we we ascribe, you know, you you are. hmm, How many times have we heard this? You're a mistake that you, me and your dad made one night. You weren't supposed to come. You weren't supposed to be. Isn't that an insult to what the Bible says? It says, oh, we picked you up on the side of the curb. You're an orphan. We picked you up in a dump. And so, yes, we've, we've come from generations of lost man who asked the question, what are we doing here? And we're just a bunch of, of but no. What the Bible is telling us something different. As I read this portion of scripture in, when as I read this portion of scripture in the message Bible, he, he does a great job. He says, I look at your macro skies, the big picture, incredibly enormous, and your handmade sky jewelry, every sunset, every sunrise, beautiful, moon and stars mounted. Then I look at myself, the micro matter and wonder why do you bother with us why take seconds to look our way yet we so narrowly miss being gods bright with eden's dawn light you put us in charge of your handcrafted world repeated to us your genesis charge made us lords of sheep and cattle even animals out of the wild birds flying and fish swimming and whales singing in the ocean deeps god brilliant lord your name echoes around the whole world Can we see life from this point on? Some people will tell you it's not until they gave their heart to Jesus that they stepped outside of the church and were able to see the green on the trees and the blue in the skies. But when we're so overwhelmed and distraught by by displacing who we are, by not following the rhythms of God's grace, by trying to pile up the worth and hoard wealth to secure our future, we have missed out our purpose in creation. God gave us smiles so that we might smile. God gave us tears that we might cry. But I doubt that the effects of depression and despair are God-given. For God says, be fearful for nothing. I have not given you a spirit of fear. So why are you fearing? That's not written in my poem. It must be you're doing what John Davis says. No, don't mess with my poem. Don't mess with my words. I put them there because they have significance. And you're no one to move and to replace my word. Replacing faith with fear. Hope with despair you're not to do that and we're experts at doing that why because nobody has told us that we are God's poem nobody has told us that he is the author and finisher of our life and that poems are not for cynical people and for skeptics and for people that can believe that we're a cosmic joke and a mistake and a big mess and that we're looking forward to a future of disgrace and defeat no 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 a poem doesn't speak about ordinary and common it's the expressions of the heart and the fountain of beauty of an amazing God. Our meditation should be the words of the Lord. We should really know the significance. How many times have we read Ephesians 2.10 and never knew that the original language says that we are God's poem, that we are an expression of His art, of His creativity, of His answer, of His future, of, of a rhythm of almost like music. They used to call David when he wrote that Psalm 8. He had written so many, all the book of Psalms are a man that is connected with God and he's just writing a continual expression of singing. They called him in 2 Samuel 23 verse 1, they called him the sweet psalmist of Israel. The guy who was constantly humming a tune, constantly uh, writing a song on his harp about the deliverance of God, the goodness of God, taking simple words and removing the words that don't fit out of the way. Rejecting words of expressions that are downward, that are not the impressions and highlights of an amazing God. One of the, the, uh, the names of uh, David, it says, now these are the last words David wrote. He's on his deathbed, and he's writing songs. He wrote this song to the Lord. Thus, the David, the son of Jesse, thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed one of God of Jacob. He had many adversities. He had many afflictions. He had many troubles. But he always referred, I'm the poem of God. This ends on a perfect note. This ends on a right tune. If I stick with God's game plan, I'm sure to be the expression of His glory. The anointed of God, the sweet psalmist of Israel. I hate talking to unbelievers as they try to describe the future as no sense, as no expression, as loss. That's not what God did. My life is not just any work. It's not just any expression. It's the craftsmanship of God. I am the project of God. I am every day maturing and perfecting, fulfilling that plan, trying to uh, find God's engraved truth in my life. But man has allowed everything to remove him. He's redefined everything. He has sidestepped God's description and destination. He becomes a product of confusion And out of rhythm. It's horrible that we we allow the devil to mess with us being his masterpiece. I wrote some uh, some words here. That we are the ones that curse. There's not one curse in God's poem. We are the ones that insult. We're the ones that interrupt. We condemn. We quit. We fear. We break promises. We doubt. We're scatterbrained. We're confused. We live without significance. We write words with no meanings. We do not finish what we start. We allow things to go unresolved. We're led astray. We fail to gather our thoughts, to focus, and to. We're too quick to express things without thought. We are shallow instead of deep. We're lacking expression instead of being rich. We are poor. I like what it says in 2 Peter 1.21. As these men were lining up with God's purpose, they were lining up with God's plan. They were finding the will of God. They had forsaken a vain life of insignificance. When these men left their nets, when they left their boats, it wasn't, it wasn't something to exchange for nothing. Sometimes our life means nothing. It's has become a total shambles of repetitive acts that have no significance. God did not create us for that. And so it says in 2 Peter 1.21, for never has God, his prophecy come because what man thinks or what man wills or what man wants to do, that's us. Our lives are filled with us. That's why God gave us a cross that we might be crucified with Christ. So we might see the glory of his life. But he says these purposes were holy men seeking the things of God and they spoke as they were moved by the Spirit of God. Whenever there's instruction for your life in correction and instruction and in uh, discipline, whatever it is, is saying, hey, you've moved away from the poem. You're writing a tale of horror. You're writing a tale of insignificance. You have made something more important than the whole. You're taking it out of war. You're messing with God's masterpiece. And so come back in that direction. In Matthew 5.18, it says like this, For verily I say unto you, that until the heaven and the earth pass away, you're not to make one single removal of one jot or one tittle. I don't know what that means. But I think any speck of the story that God wants to tell, you're to leave alone. You're not to author. You're not to reauthor. You're not to place your thoughts above. Listen, when we wake up in the morning, we should go straight to the mind of God. We don't do that till about 1 o'clock in the afternoon when we're so overwhelmed with anxiety, so overwhelmed with lack of peace, so overwhelmed with problems that we say, Help! Well, why don't you start your day saying, This is the day that you have made. And I will rejoice. And I will be glad in it. Because you designed it. And I'm not going to remove, it says, Not one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from this work of God Till everything I want is fulfilled. And oh that we would walk like that, because our life is full of walking away from God. Our uh, Our life is full of our own antics and our own authorship. In Matthew 24, 35, he says, Heavens and earth will pass away, but my words are to remain the same, and they shall never be insignificant and pass away. I don't care what's happening in life, you're to go back to the heart of God. You go back to the rhythms of his grace. You go back to the expressions of His beauty. You go back to the depth of significance. And you thank God in all things knowing that He's an awesome God. Knowing that He's an amazing God. In Luke 16, 17 it says like this, It is easier for the heaven and the earth to disappear than for the least stroke of the pen of the, of the law, of the written word of God, pass away. It says God has such a significant wealth of purpose and he wants to tell a story with our lives and we kidnap his poem we kidnap his his means and his descriptions and we fill it up with an incredible it looks like a maniac is writing this thing many times in mark chapter 7 verse 13 jesus said to those that were trying to understand what he was doing he says you guys have messed up Everything I have written in the expressions of my grace by your, what feels comfortable to you, what's your traditions, what's your customs, making the word of God of no effect. Nobody sees that you're my poem. Nobody sees my beauty in your life. Nobody sees my significance. Nobody sees you keep on. By your traditions, he says, making the word of God of no effect through your traditions, which you have handed out. You give it to your sons. Instead of telling your son and your daughter, you're the poem of the grace and beauty and the virtues of God. You say, you're a numcompoop, You are worthless. You're going to do nothing. You're going to go nowhere. You're not going to have anything in this world. And nothing could be greater than a lie. Nothing could be far, uh, far yet from the truth than to look at God's creation and saying, you are are insignificant isaiah 40 verse 8 he says the grass his creation withers and the flowers fail but those that keep stand with the word of god will abide forever can we continue to resort back to these realities can we plug in and that's why the bible says i am the vine you are the branches if you are connected to me you will fulfill my purpose apart from me you can do nothing There is no significance for man outside of Christ. Revelations 22, 18 says, For I testify unto you that every man that hears these words of the prophecy of this book, that if any man shall add to these things, you want to make the poem better. You want it to have more significance by the efforts of your foolishness. It's not going to happen. Your adding to this will only add to the plagues that are written in this book. You're adding to God's design things that he never intended, things that are real uh, sown depth in our spirit, sown deep in our flesh, that we're fulfilling things that have nothing to do with the design of God. I, I came to the Lord when I was 16 years old, and they said, you're not to have premarital sex until you, till you get married. You're not to have sex with a woman until you get married. Listen to me. You want to have a, a, a travesty of an event? Have sex before you get married, and you'll see how your poem turns into a nightmare. You'll see the confusion set in your heart, the guilt that comes into your wife's heart for the rest of her life, the despising. And so listening to these things, I'm not to add to these things. I'm not to cater to them. I'm not to sequester. Verse 19, it says, And if a man shall take away from the words of this book, if you subtract, if you add from the words of this book, of this prophet, God will also subtract from the expressions of his poetry, from the expressions of what makes sense. From the expressions of beauty and significance and purpose and design and ownership. How many know that God does not own what we do? He owns what he does. So when we are doing our own thing, it doesn't have God's signature on it. It's a shameful event. And he says, God will take away from the significance of my purpose in the holy city and the things that are written. So it was known amongst God's people they're not to mess with God's things. Deuteronomy 12, 32, he says, "Whatso things I command you observe to do them, thou shalt not add nor diminish from them. You're not to take editorial. Privilege to start, I think I'll add this to it, I think I'll take that from I think this is too radical, I think this is too not sufficient. Listen, just release and surrender, don't add to your stress and worry things that you're not to be stressed and worried about. Joshua 1.7, he says, if you're going to take this journey, make sure you don't turn left or turn right. Be strong, be courageous, that you might observe everything that is written in the, in the writings of Moses. My servant who commanded you, to, do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you might prosper wherever you go. This is why the Bible says in Psalm 1, those who meditate upon God's law day and night, you start becoming affinitive with the expressions of God. Now I'm going to be a ninja turtle. Listen. You stop speaking foolishness. And you get connected to the mind of Christ. And you become everything he wants you to become for his glory. And you have the full expressions of his backing. And don't turn to the left or to the right. So that people might see your prosperity and your flourishing. Deuteronomy 4.2 tells us the same thing. Be careful that when you're in these travels... That you not pick your own direction. You shall not add to the word which I command to you. You shall not take from it. That you might keep the commandments which the Lord your God commands you. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 14. It says make sure that you not depart. So you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day. To go to the right or to the left. To go after other gods to serve them. You are not to move in that direction. Lest you miss out the glory of God. As we read one last verse today. I want to encourage you to be the expression of the peace of God. The joy of God. The sufficiency of God. Quit being a skeptic. Quit being cynical. Quit putting in place things that God never intended to be in place. These things are not written in the book. Psalm 113 verse 3. This is our expression, our meditation, our understanding. Not one of us, not one of us is lacking significance and purpose and worth. And all of our stories are powerful stories of His goodness and grace. From the rising of the sun until it's going down, the Lord's purpose is to praise His name in all the earth. Let's stand this morning. Give a big hand to the Lord. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Father, this meditation is ours. It's a privilege, an honor that we have come into existence not out of the expressions of some chance, of some cosmic explosion, but Father, in the depth of the inner sanctuaries of your heart is the expressions of man and his purpose upon the earth. And the glories that would be manifest, Lord, through your life in them. Lord, we want to return to faithfulness, to the expressions of your goodness. Everything that has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy, right now in Jesus' name I rebuke out of our lives. And that no weapon form shall prosper against the expressions of your words. That heaven and earth will pass away, but not one single pause and sigh An expression of your heart would fall to the wayside, Lord. I pray, Father God, that we would preserve the expressions of your goodness in our lives, in our families, in our future. We claim this morning we are the workmanship, the poema of God. We are the expressions of your faithful heart in the depth, Lord, of the things that you have laid up for those who live according to your glory. Father, do not let anything sideswipe our inheritance, O God. Don't let anything devalue that reality, O God. We give you thanks for Joseph Jr. We give you thanks for John Davis, Lord. Continue to allow their hearts to express, Father God, your glory, Lord, and not our foolishness, Lord. Your faithfulness, Lord, and not the darkness of fallen man who is far from God, becoming a cynic, and thinking that man is a cosmic joke, Lord. We give you thanks for beautiful men and women, Lord, for young men, for boys and girls, for marriages, O God, that are the expressions of of prosperity and peace to this world. We give you thanks in Jesus' name, and the people of God say amen. amen. Greet one another in the love of God.